Hello and welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me as always is my co-host Robert Zirk. On today's show, the hottest summer in half a century is almost here. The 2017 Canada Summer Games have announced the 200 torchbearers for this year's torch relay all across Manitoba and in parts of Ontario. Jeff Natchuk, the president and CEO of the 2017 Canada Summer Games Host Society is here to tell us all about it. Then Stacey Cardigan-Smith will join us in studio to tell us about the Manitowabi Festival that's taking place this weekend. She has highlights from her interviews with powwow coordinator Candace Hart, her daughter Ayanna Hart, and festival operations manager Sandy Fox. Then we'll speak with Aimee Gutierrez of Holy Names House of Peace and about how she helps newcomer refugees become accustomed to Canadian life. Then we'll speak with Carolina Stetcher, Vital Signs Project Convener at the Winnipeg Foundation, to learn more about the Vital Signs survey going on now. And as always, Noah Ehrenberg of Community News Commons will speak with us about This Week in Winnipeg through the lens of the citizen journalists at Community News Commons. All this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Good morning and welcome to RC360. Nolan and Robert here with you today. Robert, welcome back. You were uh, in sunny Ottawa, Thank you. Ontario was, all week. How was it? It was a beautiful, beautiful week. Um, Ottawa is such a lovely city. Yeah. I'd never been before. Um, I think my favorite part of the whole experience was getting the chance to canoe down, uh, starting at Dow's Lake and going down the the rideau what was, was the per like what how come you were canoeing down a river so it was part of this initiative called connected by canoe it was uh-huh. uh it was a project developed as part of canada's 150th um, by the canoe museum of canada oh sweet which uh which uh yeah they've did you been get to going... go to the museum too the museum's not in ottawa okay but uh, they've they've actually been canoeing around different river like it's it's a very very cool, cool initiative and uh so as we as we went along we would stop at various points and we would hear different perspectives and uh hear s- different different kinds of songs as well oh, cool um it was a very very neat experience it, it it really brought a lot of us hadn't met each other before mm-hmm. so it was it really brought everyone together and it was uh, it was a wonderful experience. Kind of a nice little icebreaker getting to paddle because I thought there was like a dozen people in the same canoe all paddling together, right? So it's you you kind of learn to become friends pretty quick if you want to pull your weight in a canoe, I would imagine. Absolutely, you got to you got a canoe all all in unison. You got to paddle paddle the boat in the same rhythm, right? It's teamwork. That's great. Mm-hmm. Well, we're gonna paddle this boat in unison, you and I, talking about, of course, the River City 360 canoe. We've got a whole lot of show to get to today. There's a whole bunch of great conversations that we're hoping to have. Uh, Jeff Natchik, the president and CEO of the 2017 Canada Summer Games. Host Society is going to be coming in to tell us about the Summer Games and their announcement of the uh, 200 torchbearers that are going to be running uh, through southern Ontario and all of Manitoba, north and south, with the flame to kick off the Canada Summer Games. But before Jeff gets into the studio, we're going to kick things off with a song. Here's Charlie Barnett with... Clap hands, here comes Charlie, right here on River City 360. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan Bicknell here with you today. And we're now joined in studio by a very special guest. We've got Jeff Natchuk. He is the president and CEO of the 2017 Canada Summer Games Host Society. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jeff. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. So we're only a couple months away. I was looking at the countdown. It was, I think, 72 days, 7 hours, and X amount of minutes. Uh, but... Um, it's exciting. How does it feel looking back on kind of the whole process uh, since since its inception? Yeah, when we look back, uh, when we won the bid almost four years ago, uh, you know, you sort of look forward to 2017 and think, you know, you've got a lot of time to, to do the planning and get things in place. And uh, I mean, now fast forwarding to, as you say, about 72 or so days away from the opening ceremonies on the 28th of July and look back at, at the planning and, and I mean, the magnificent planning volunteers that we've had in place for almost two years, uh, 500 planning volunteers putting things together. We're now at a staff of about 65 people. So things have ramped up significantly and uh, and getting to this point where, you know, you, you realize that being this close to the games, being here and the impact that these games are going to have on the community and the excitement, quite honestly, that's really starting to build. Now that the weather's getting nicer and sure. people are starting to think about the summer, uh, we've, we've come a long way and, you know, it's a tribute to, as I said, the family fantastic volunteers and planning volunteers and people that we have in place. There's a lot. So, uh, yeah, the, the weather is getting better. It's pretty soon going to be the hottest summer in half a century, as the, as the tagline goes. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about the flame, the fire, the uh, the torch, the uh, Rolly McLenahan torch that's going to be traveling, I think, 3,500 kilometers through Manitoba. Yeah, yeah it's going to be going. We're very fortunate to, to announce. Uh, we're very fortunate, first of all, to have Manitoba Hydro on board as our sponsor of the uh, Provincial Torch Relay. Uh, the Torch Relay is, really gives us an opportunity to have the games become truly a province-wide uh, event, even though the, uh, the competitions are hosted in Winnipeg and, of course, Gimli and Kenora. Um, we really want to make the whole province a part of, of these games and get a touch and a feel for, for what these games mean. So we're, we're going to be going into 11 different communities across the, the province with the torch and involve people as torch bearers. We'll have about 200 torch bearers right across the, uh, the province involved in taking the torch through those communities. We'll have a community celebration in each of those uh, 11 communities that we, we go into and and uh, an opportunity, as I say, for, for the excitement of the games to spread beyond just the, the city of Winnipeg and get right across the province. For sure. So we've got Brandon, Dauphin, Gimli, The Paw, Thompson, Gillum, Fox Lake, Sagging, Steinbeck, Morden, and Kenora, and of course Winnipeg. Um, I understand there's 650 applicants for, for the torchbearer. What was the criteria and, and what are the types of people that got chosen to uh, to bear the flame? Yeah, that was a really interesting process because, as I said, we, we were looking for between 175 and 200, uh, well, actually 150 to, to 175 torchbearers. Uh, representatives of each of those uh, those communities, and so we asked for nominations to to come from each of the communities, and uh, we were really overwhelmed with the fact that we had s- over 650 uh, nominations, as you had mentioned, and you know, really coming from all walks of life, the the, the criteria uh, were really quite simple: uh, 12 years of age or older, um, the ability to to carry the the torch or wheel the torch or run the the torch between 200 and 500 meters so the criteria weren't very stringent but you know the the nominations were were absolutely incredible uh the uh, the community leaders that that came forward uh, alumni of of the games volunteers from from communities people with just 
uh, unbelievably diverse backgrounds uh, and histories came forward. And um, it was a very difficult selection process. Each of those communities uh, that you mentioned had the ability to identify and name uh, or select the torchbearers in those communities. In Winnipeg alone, we had over 400 um, nominations. So um, we had a a volunteer committee from our community relations area uh, select the torchbearers for the uh, city. It was, and and, uh, especially when you look at the the nominees, as I said, and and the wonderful uh, people and the backgrounds that, that came forward. Well, it's exciting to bring those types of people all together and sort of celebrate sport here in Winnipeg. I understand the torch is coming through July 26th. Yeah, it's the the the, the torch relay actually starts on the 23rd of June in Steinbach okay. as a first one. It'll make its way through those communities, and it will end up here in Winnipeg on the 26th has, of, has of the July. Ru- has the route been picked out yet? It it has been, but okay. you know, I honestly couldn't give you Nolan no. the exact uh, legs, but it has just been uh, just been selected and. Um, so it, it's going to be a great opportunity on the 26th to celebrate the torch here in Winnipeg. And then, of course, that same flame will go on to light the torch at the opening ceremonies on the 28th of July. So the 28th rolls around. What sport are you looking most forward to watching? Well, I get asked that question. You know, it, it's really difficult to to say. I mean, we've got 16 sports and, and 21 uh, different sport venues and sport events that we'll have uh, in total over 250 events over the two wow. weeks. Uh, to select one, I think, will be difficult. I, you know, I, I think that there's going to be some great, great venues. You know, we've got some great new venues yeah. that uh, that are in place, and of course, upgrades to every one of the venues that we we will be using. But, you know, obviously, there's, I mean, the, the the baseball parks and and beach volleyball and some of those that that tend to be the crowd um, favorites. Yeah, yeah, crowd favorites. But we really think that the, I mean, these are our best young athletes from across the country that are going to be here. So people really can't miss out on uh, on great action, no matter which venue they, they take in. What do you think this means for Winnipeg to host such a prestigious and incredible event here in our city? Yeah, it really means a lot. Legacies are always a huge part of hosting a major event like this. This will be the largest event that we've hosted since the 1999 Pan Am Games. And those people who were involved or were in the community at that time remember the excitement that was generated. Uh, it's really important for us to to also, as a host society, uh, engage as many people in the community as, as possible. So even though it's a sporting event, we've got a major cultural um, component to uh, to the games where we'll be programming at the Forks site. I think 11 of the 15 uh, nights will be programmed at the Forks Festival with some fantastic artists that we'll be announcing in the next few weeks uh, that will be performing from right across each province and territory uh, will be represented there. So um, legacies are an important part. It's a great opportunity for, for the community. Um, but really, you know, I mean, we look at also the economic impact. We anticipate in excess of $153 million economic right. impact for the community. But the, the bottom line is it's an opportunity for us to bring the community together around a very sport, uh, special event. And we hope that uh, no matter what people's interests are in the community, whether it's sport-related, cultural-related, they'll participate in some way, some fashion in these games and be able to say a year or two from now, they really remember these games as something special for them and they all take away their special moments. It's an opportunity to certainly celebrate our city and celebrate the athletes and people within it and just kind of bring everyone together and have a good time for, for a couple of weeks. It, it really is. And these games are special in that they're the 50th anniversary of the, the Canada Games, the first games being held in 67 in Quebec City and, of course, part of the 150th celebrations of the country.
Absolutely. So you can find out more information at 2017CanadaGames.ca. Uh, Jeff, is there anything you'd like our listeners to go if they're kind of on the fence about, oh, should I go check it out? It might be a little crowded. Like, what would you say to those people? Oh, no, I mean, uh, for sure. The we, We're really encouraging people to get involved some way, somehow. And it, it, it's really amazing whether you're at a sport event and watching some of these athletes and going, you know, these are our future Olympians. These are our future sport heroes um yeah, i just used the example of the 2013 canada or canada games which were in sherbrooke quebec and a young sprinter in those uh games in 2013 by the name of andre de grasse was just getting sort of his exposure to a major sporting event two years later that same individual was a canadian hero Absolutely. uh from the uh the olympic games the summer olympic games in rio uh so there's that opportunity, but as I mentioned too, the opportunity just to get involved in the cultural aspects too and, and really showcase our city. And, and we really want Winnipeggers and Manitobans to come to the forefront to, uh, to show off um, our, our city and our province because truly the eyes of the nation will be on Winnipeg and Manitoba from July 28th to August 13th. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for talking to us today. Jeff Natchik is the president and CEO of the 2017 Canada Summer Games Host Society. Thank you for joining us. Good luck in the next couple months and uh, have a great games. Thank you very much, Nolan. Thanks, Nolan. Coming up after the break, Stacy Cardigan-Smith will join us to tell us all about the Manitowabi Festival that's on now until May 21st. Before we get to that, in keeping with the theme of the Summer Games and the types of medals that the athletes will be hoping to win, here's Neil Young with Heart of Gold, right here on River City 360.
Welcome back to River City 360. Coming up next, our Stacey Cardigan-Smith brings us a story about the Manitowabi Festival, which celebrates Indigenous arts, culture, and music, as well as fosters a sense of belonging. Stacey? Manitowabi Festival is a celebration. It's a place to learn about Indigenous culture and heritage, an event that unifies, educates, and inspires. And for 16-year-old superstar athlete Ayanna Hart, it's a way of life. I've been always in this, like, ever since I was young. It's basically a lifestyle. Ayanna's entire family is involved with Manitowabe, which this year is celebrating its 12th anniversary. The four-day festival features several elements and events, including the Indigenous Music Awards, a music conference, a marketplace and trade show, art expo and challenge, and an international powwow. Ayanna's mother, Candace Hart, is the powwow coordinator, and her father, Derek Hart, runs the MTS Youth Education Day. Her older brother, Tyler, works security, and Ayanna herself has volunteered in many roles, including supporting elders. I volunteered in the elders' room, like fed them sometimes, brought them food, water. Elders play an important role in the festival, says Ayanna's mom, Candace. They guide us on what needs to be done, um, what should be done, uh, what shouldn't be done. I've always followed my elders and tried to help the best way I can um, and treat them as the best we can. We, uh, that's our priority is, is taking care of them because they took care of us. So, and in the end, they're still taking care of us. <laughs> Learning about her Indigenous culture, particularly the seven sacred teachings, has inspired Ayanna as a person and as an athlete. She was recently named the 2017 Manitoba Aboriginal Sports and Recreation Council's Athlete of the Year. It like maybe want to go like represent like the women that couldn't like can't you know um, play sports, the native kids who can't like participate in sports. So it makes me want to thrive more and more to be a better athlete. Attending Manitowabe is an easy way to learn more about Indigenous culture for everyone whether you're Indigenous or not. Here's Candace. Everybody is welcome to come and participate. Even we have people dancing on our, on our floor, non-Indigenous, and we welcome that. We always tell everybody that you don't need an invitation. You're welcome to come participate or come and watch. So we always encourage people. One year we had um, a Chinese couple sitting in our elders section and um, it was just so amazing to see them sitting there because that's what we're, we're, we're thriving for is for other cultures to come and participate and learn about our culture too. The powwow, which draws up to 900 participants annually, is a time for people to come together, reconnect and celebrate, especially for those who may have been forcibly taken from their families. Here's Candace again. We find that people connect that have been lost for many years. So like our 60s scoops, um, a lot of people have not been brought up on the culture, so once they start hearing about these big gatherings um, 
and find out that family members are going there. It's so easy to find, you know, somebody knows somebody, somebody somehow in our community. Um, if, if we don't know, then we just mention names and we try to help out everybody, but it's, it's a nice big gathering all the time to, to go to. Attending a powwow can be an emotional experience. The drum is the heartbeat of our nation and hearing that drum alone, um, it brings you to tears, especially for, for people that have not been exposed to their own culture. So you have the grand entry. Um, the first grand entry is always our biggest grand entry and I always encourage everybody and anybody that has never experienced something like that to come to the first one. Because just watching all those people in their regalia coming and um, seeing all the different outfits that they're wearing, not knowing or understanding exactly what categories are, what is a chicken dancer, or what are they saying, or why are they saying one word all the time, but yet if you really listen, the drum groups are actually singing a song in words. So sometimes people don't hear that. So um, I, I had one friend one time, um, they were singing an English song, uh, English song, um, what was the song they were singing? Old MacDonald had a farm. It was for our tiny tots. And she was asking me, uh, what are they singing? And I was like, you can't hear them? And she says, no. I'm like, what are they singing? I said, they're singing in English. So I was like, listen. And so she's listening, I can't hear them. And then I started singing to her and I was singing, Old MacDonald had a farm. And then she was like, oh my God. She couldn't hear it though because all she heard was, was the drum beat, and that's basically, she didn't realize that there was words with the drum beat. So it was, it was a good experience for her because she never experienced anything like that before. And she was indigenous. So yeah, it, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. But then again, um, that's one of my roles that why I do this every year, why I come back every year is because I have so many friends um, that aren't aware of, of their own culture. So we try and help them and support them and, and encourage them mm -hmm. to participate as much as they can. According to Festival Operations Manager Sandy Fox, the festival helps people along their journey of reconciliation. Indigenous pe people and the culture was stifled for so many years. They weren't allowed to practice their, their dance, their songs, their culture. Um, and it plays into there as well, residential schools and, you know, I, I think as a non-Aboriginal pe person myself, I'm obviously appalled by the fact that, you know, the government could go in and take children from families because they felt that they weren't able to raise their families. So there's a lot of healing that has to go on. And so our celebrate, our festival is a celebration. So it's healing for the people, but it's a celebration that now we can do this and be proud of it and invite other people to come in and join us. Reconciliation is different for everyone, and each person may be at a different place in that journey. Candace is at a place where she has forgiven and now wants to help others do the same. I'm already on my journey of trying to help everybody else um, live beyond the horizon. And you know, it's, it's, we've always raised our kids um, in, in a traditional environment so they know the ceremonies, they know 
what's out there so the and that everybody everybody's equal so that's how we've always raised our kids and and not to hate yeah there's haters out there but we always teach our kids the 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 seven teachings and to live by that and to live by the medicine wheel so it's always it's always a reminder it's sometimes it's it's hard but we we go past that and move on and try and help everybody else. Manitowabe Festival runs until Sunday, with most events happening at the RBC Convention Centre. Everyone is welcome. For more information, go to Manitowabe, M-A-N-I-T-O-A-H-B-E-E dot com. For River City 360, I'm Stacy Cardigan-Smith. Thanks, Stacey. And the Winnipeg Foundation has provided $117,000 in grants to the Manitowabi Festival since 2012. Coming up after the break, Aimee Gutierrez, Program Coordinator at the Holy Names House of Peace, is going to be joining us in studio to tell us about her work helping refugees feel safe and welcome in Canada. But first, here's Jack Jones with A Song About Love, right here on River City 360. Oh, let me sing you a song about love that I know A song that somebody sang to his love long ago Love is brighter than the starry sky that shines above Love is fairer than the things that I am dreaming of Love is something you can never buy Except with love, except with love Love is deeper than the mighty sea And poets say it's the nicest kind of poetry And so I pray, darling, you will give your love to me today Those were the words of a song about love that I knew song about love just for you love is brighter than the starry sky that shines above love is fairer than the things that i am dreaming of love is something you can never buy except with love except with love Love is deeper than the mighty sea And poets say it's the nicest kind of poetry And so I pray, darling, you will give your love to me Today Love is deeper than the mighty sea And poets say it's the nicest kind of poetry And so I pray, darling, you will give your love to me today Hello and thank you for listening to River City 360 Nolan Bicknell here with you today And I'm now joined in studio by a very special guest I've got Aimee Gutierrez, she is the Building Admin Program Coordinator, IT Supervisor, all sorts of things at the Holy Names House of Peace. Thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you for inviting me here. So we wanted to talk to you because you have an, another interesting job and 
it's you you're an immigrant from the philippines and now you're working with the holy names house of peace helping other newcomers into canada and helping them to sort of get accustomed to canadian life so maybe uh, my first question to you is is what is that process like what is it like um helping new new people get accustomed in, to canada oh well for me uh, helping especially newcomer in canada is very inspiring and very rewarding because um it's not just helping them, it's just helping me. Because for me to, to be in their situation and to, uh, to share what I know is um, really rewarding and really, um, um, it's like sharing what you know. Right, for sure. So you got the immigration consultant diploma at Ashton College, I understand. Right. What sorts of things did they teach you about how helping people to um, immigrate and be, when they're refugees into Canada? Well, basically, uh, the one Ashton College have taught me is to know the process of immigration, what is immigration all about, what is our rights and what are the benefits and protection that we can get from okay. the government of Canada. So, and then all the forms that they have to fill out and all the... Yes, everything, how do the immigration, like the press, how to uh, people migrate here in Canada, the press, the process mm -hmm. and all that. Yeah, so so what sorts of things did you learn when you're going through this? What's, what sorts of things did the Ashton College teach you? Do they teach you about sort of the, the mental and emotional things that pe that refugees might might uh, be dealing with yes one of our module is about refugees and this is how we learn uh, we learn like what is their right what will be the benefit that they will get with uh, coming here and what will be the protection they can give for sure for all the refugees that are coming but uh, to be uh, considered as um, refugee, it's not easy. You, the burden of proof will be coming from the refugees, the newcomer itself. So, so it's not it's not uh, easy. Mm -hmm. It's not easy to do that, knowing that most of them are not really uh, literate. Right. So, so they need someone to really help and assist them in doing the the process absolutely doing the immigration process so you you i understand you've been doing this for about two and a half years now what what has been some of the response of people when they come in and they are learning from you how to how to get sort of acclimated into canada how do they respond when you're teaching them these things oh well you know what i what i notice for every like uh, particularly refugees you have to build their trust mm -hmm. they really don't because all of us are a stranger for them, right. like all of us. So, so what, what happened is, you know, you you have to know who are they. You know, you and and when they learn that I'm an immigrant myself, mm -hmm. so there's there now they kinda um uh, uh they kinda um. Open up a open, little bit. Yes, you know, they're, open. They're more and, willing to and listen. And then giving me, and then showing me a little trust. And then when I develop like like a good uh, conversation, and, and if they know that I've um, learned and studied immigration, then that's what their confidence, right. like they're giving me. And probably because... Also, I'm a woman. Uh, right. I'm a woman, so that's that's a factor are, too. Are you dealing with primarily female uh, yes, refugees? Yes. And yes. Where, what countries are they coming from? 
almost uh, different we have from from um, Brunei, like uh, Myanmar right now. Okay. Yes, and we have uh, uh, most of them are from Africa. African. Like are um, like Burundi, Rwanda, oh, yeah. Somalia, right. Kenya, uh, Ethiopia, and and Eritrea. It must be very valuable to have a woman who's been through a similar experience in in coming to a, a place that she's never been before and not speaking the language. So that you that's probably very valuable Absolutely. to your experience. So mm-hmm. why did you decide to to pursue this sort of uh, path for yourself? Why did you want to get into this line of work? Well, I, I've seen there there's a need and 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 like I have experienced one of our neighbors that really doesn't know what to do and f- and there's no like even like a lawyer or something that could help her right. and for me seeing that and then knowing that I experienced the same um, hardship and challenges I know I can do something about it and that really gives me an inspiration to do it like maybe I should learn immigration maybe just like in my spare time I could study and then that that really inspires me and that and when i'm taking that immigration course like it's really heartwarming and it's really inspiring because i know i i can understand very well now like and i can share my this knowledge to having thought of that that i could share this knowledge is really for me that's that's what i want to do in my life it's very beautiful yeah. i think because this is a problem that you don't really think of of people solving you know like people if they donate to different uh, refugee centers you don't think of the the forms they have to oh, fill yeah. out and the lessons they have to learn where to go to get groceries and all the little things that are probably getting a little bit forgotten so what have you learned through this process what are some of the things that you've learned in helping a lot of these women yeah just like just like what you said uh, people have their own way of helping and for me, helping, for me, just helping them peeling up the problem, just helping them to make them understand why and how it is done is for me, is a big help. And it's a relief for them. And that I think I'm, I'm, I'm contributing um, somewhat in, here in the community. <laughs> I think you're helping, helping to build the next generation of Canadians in a way, right? That's the next generation of canadians that yes. are going to have the have that's, our co- creator that's country. the main objective is for me to be an asset not just in 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 the province but also the, an asset of this country well it's beautiful well thank, thank you, you for doing what you're doing i appreciate it mm-hmm. i think all of winnipeg and all of canada appreciates it um the the holy name house of peace where can we find more information about that if people are curious oh um we're located at 211 edmonton street and we are the refuge in the heart of the city so you just come everyone is welcome in in the holy names house of peace so beautiful Mm -hmm. well thank you so much we really appreciate appreciate your time amy gutierrez is the program coordinator at the holy names house of peace say thank you so much for telling your story today thank you for having me thanks nolan and thanks again amy for sharing your story for more information about the holy names house of peace you can visit houseofpeace.ca.
Coming up after the break, Carolina Stetcher from the Winnipeg Foundation joins us to talk about how the Vital Signs Survey that's ongoing now will help improve our city and also how you can take part in the Vital Signs Survey and share your perspectives. But before we get to that, here is Paul Moriat with Love is Blue right here on RC360. Next year on River City 360, we'll be bringing you stories connected to the themes of Winnipeg's Vital Signs 2017, a program led by the Winnipeg Foundation that measures the vitality of our community through research and surveys. For more information, visit wpgfdn.org slash vital signs. Thank you for listening to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined by Carolina Stetcher. She is the Vital Signs Project Convener at the Winnipeg Foundation. Carolina, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Rob, for having me on the show. So we've been mentioning Vital Signs on the show uh, throughout the past year. It's a project from the Winnipeg Foundation that's looking to measure trends in different areas that are critical to the quality of life in our city. And one of the components of that is a community survey. Tell us a little bit about the survey and why it's important to have that as part of the Vital Signs Project. Well, that's right, Rob. We are doing a survey as part of the uh, Vital Signs Project that is uh, uh, measuring the well-being of Winnipeggers. 
The survey is, is a critical part of the um, project of Vital Signs because it gives the it gives Winnipeggers and uh, people who work in Winnipeg the opportunity to um, have their voices heard and their opinions uh, and their opinions counted. So the what the survey does is it asks questions about uh, priorities of Winnipeggers in uh, various areas that are um, uh, part of uh, the well-being of our citizens, as well as checks in on the quality of life, on the people's feelings of their own quality of life in our city. And all that information that we get in from that survey is going to help the Winnipeg Foundation make Winnipeg that much better. Wonderful. So um, what kind of questions does the survey deal with and what kind of topics can people expect to be thinking about when they complete the survey? Well, it's twofold. The first part asks people's opinions and their uh, priorities and area issues of housing and poverty and uh, uh, health and um, uh, those those uh, components that are really important to basic, um, you know, your basic living standards, let's say. Also talks about transportation. And then the second part asks questions about the quality of life that uh, that you as an individual have in this in our city. Uh, talks about your sense of belonging to the community, um, your uh, feelings of loneliness, and uh, your general uh, physical and uh, mental well-being. All those things are really critical in, in everybody's um, uh, well-being as part of their neighborhood, as part of their society, as part of their, as part of their city. So, Okay. Um, what is the response? What has the response been so far from people who have taken the survey? Well, the response has been incredibly positive. Um, the survey has uh, gone out. Um, we're trying to distribute on a mass scale, and we're also working with a research company that's helping us out with that. So, if uh, um, you hear from uh, a research company, please participate and. Uh, uh, so it has been incredibly, incredibly positive, but we still need more. We need uh, more people's opinions in order to have a really good uh, sample and uh, do a quality assessment on uh, people's life in Winnipeg. Absolutely. So it's a great opportunity for people to have their, their voices and their opinions counted um, to highlight the positive things that are going on in our city that maybe you think don't get enough credit, but also to, um, but also in terms of, but also looking at what problems uh, does our city need to address still. Um, so it's very important. Hopefully a lot of people will take part. Um, how can people do, how can, how can people uh, go and complete the online survey if they want to do so? Well, Rob, they can go to the Winnipeg Foundation's website at wpgfdn.org forward slash vital signs, and they will find um, a button that they can click to uh, go ahead and complete the survey. Excellent. And I understand it only takes about 10 minutes roughly to complete, and and it's all anonymous as well, right? It's not as you're not really signing off on 
it's just sort of an anonymous your opinion that's correct it is uh it is a random uh um both has elements of random and stakeholder participation but it is uh, an anonymous uh, survey and that is really the the best way to approach this and I just want to add to uh, Rob that um, the survey really gives an opportunity not only for people to uh, give their opinions in terms of what needs to be improved in our city but also invites people to uh, give their input on what we have to celebrate here in Winnipeg. So I think that's a really key thing is that uh, we do have uh, a lot to celebrate here in our in our city. Absolutely. So as Carolina mentioned, you can complete the vital signs survey by visiting wpgfdn.org forward slash vital signs. Carolina, thank you again so much for joining me today. Thank you, Rob. Stay tuned to River City 360 throughout the year for more stories connected to Winnipeg's Vital Signs 2017, a program led by the Winnipeg Foundation that measures the vitality of our community through research and surveys. For more information about Vital Signs, visit wpgfdn.org slash vital signs. Thanks, Robert. And thanks again to Carolina for talking to us today. Coming up after the break, Noah Ehrenberg is going to be on his way into the studio to tell us about CNC, Community News Commons, Winnipeg's Citizen Journalism Project. But first, here's Petula Clark with It's a Sign of the Times, right here on RC360.
Hello, and thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan Bicknell here with you today, and we're now joined in studio by Noah Ehrenberg. He's the convener of Community News Commons, Winnipeg's Citizen Journalism Project. Noah, thank you for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. It's been a while, I guess. It hey, has it's been. It's been maybe a couple of weeks. Last week, we had a, uh, one of the citizen reporters on the show. We had mm-hmm. Heather Emberley talk about her wonderful story called Truth in... Oh, uh, Truth Be Told. Truth Be Told. Yeah, that's, that's right. a great piece. Fantastic story, mm-hmm. and uh, so we want we have you on the show every almost every week to talk about what's happening in Winnipeg through the eyes of these citizen journalists and through the stories they're telling on cncwpg.org. So tell me some stories that have been published in the last couple of days. Well, I really like a story that was just written by Joanne Classen, and uh, Joanne is a, a Winnipeg writer. Uh, she's director of a. Um, of a group called HeartSpace, a home of transformative life writing programs. So basically, mm-hmm. she teaches writing, but she also loves to write. And uh, Joanne has um, posted a few stories over the past couple of years in on communitynewscommons.org, and her latest one is called Crumbs and Gratitude. And essentially, mm-hmm. it's a nice little piece about um, the importance of, uh, of being uh, grateful. But she tells a little story about uh, her neighbor, uh, who she dedicates this piece to, um, uh, that reminded her one day of uh, why it is so important to be grateful. And it had to do with um, Joanne talking about being upset that uh, she had to clean up the crumbs from her uh, husband's breakfast that day. <laughs> and, uh, First and world res- problems. <laughs> exactly. But the response from Joanne's neighbor uh, was uh, was quite uh, quite interesting, and it uh, really really uh, sent a, a loud message, loud and clear to Joanne. And I, I think you should read it on communitynewscommons.org. Very uh, Crumbs and gratitude. It's a great piece. I'll have to check that out. Please do. Yeah, sometimes the wisdom of a neighbor can be illuminating. Oh, in, exactly. In some the other thing I wanted to talk about this week is the workshops that we've got going. You know, uh, Community News Commons. We do workshops every fall, every spring and fall. And of course, it being spring now, uh, we're doing multimedia online uh, journalism workshops. Shops, uh, Tuesdays at the Winnipeg Free, Ca- Free Press Cafe and Thursdays at Millennium Library. And the, so tonight at the library. That's correct. What time? Uh, 6 p.m. till 8 p.m. And tonight we're going to learn about clear and effective writing. So it's a really mm-hmm. good piece, a really good um, um, uh, session to attend. You don't have to attend the sessions in order to be a citizen reporter on communitynewscommons.org. All you have to do is go to the site and just uh, click on the Become a Citizen Reporter button or on the Register button in the top right-hand corner there. But uh, these workshops are really um, quite um, uh, uh, quite enlightening, and uh, and the um, uh, people do enjoy them. We get uh, quite a few people out there, sometimes 20, 25 people. And uh, next week, we're going to be starting uh, our sort of deep dive into radio um, uh, storytelling, so nice. audio podcasting. And Robert Zirk is going to be helping me out. Wonderful. And uh, so that's Tuesday, 6 to 8 p.m., Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m., uh, Tuesdays at Winnipeg Free Press Cafe on McDermott, and Thursdays at Millennium Library on the second floor. Uh, the Buckwald Room. And so uh, n- when uh, we go um, next week, we will be doing uh, four weeks of audio podcasting. Oh, we'll cool. teach people how to do audio stories, how to uh, record them properly, uh, how to edit them, and then basically how to have them ready for air. Podcasting is all the rage these days. It is. You know, it's, it's terrific. It's, it's sort of a, it's, it's really helped radio to 
make a resurgence in the in the in the public eyes and ear i guess in the public ear for for sure and storytelling is storytelling you know whether it's uh, video or audio or you know or you're writing something you know the the uh, different techniques and uh, and different um, ideas that you need to uh, to use in order to do a good story uh, you know it it's just as uh, it it works uh, you know whether you're writing a story doing a video or doing something on uh, audio podcasting and everybody's got a story just not everyone knows how to tell it in a in a compelling fashion exactly that's my this, this that's my favorite my favorite line is there's no such thing as a boring story just a boring storyteller perfect <laughs> well now at the end of our time together um i've asked you to bring maybe a song that our listeners haven't heard before typically something from manitoba or from winnipeg so what have you got for us this week well this week uh fresh from a european tour is the band called the perms uh, they've been around for a long time. Uh, they, uh, they've just been to France and Spain and other uh, points uh, in Europe, and they've come back home here to Winnipeg, and they're ready to play. They are a, a rock uh, band that uh, was formed in 1998, and um, they just played this week at um, the fifth edition of the Park Theatre's local showcase series. Oh, cool. And uh, that was a terrific uh, show. Um, and um, they've just released... Uh, their seventh studio release and um, this uh, new single is called Lose Yourself and uh, we've got that track for you this is The Perms on River City 360 with Robert Zirk and Nolan Bicknell on 93.7 CJNU That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you very much for listening to us today, and a huge thanks to all of our guests for talking to us as well. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to our podcast, you can do all those things on our website. Visit rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And as always, we love to hear your feedback about the show. Give us a call and let us know what you like about the show. Uh, If you'd like to hear a particular song, we'd be happy to play that for you. Or you can suggest a topic for a future show. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. Again, that is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can hit us up on Twitter and Facebook as well by searching at RiverCity360 on Twitter and RiverCity360 on Facebook. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day, a great night, and a great weekend.